welcome back to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast presented by Sib Sports. This is your host, John Ashkar, and today with me, I'm with my co-host, Jack Vandemater. Hello. And our good friend, Ethan Heiss. Welcome back, Ethan. What's up, boys? Good to be back. Thanks for having me on today. It's good to have you back, Ethan. We're excited to talk some Browns with you. But before we hop into that, we have a quick message from our sponsor, Manscaped. Support for the Hottest Take Sports podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HTSP at manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and you use our code HTSP. It helps us out a ton. And it'll help you out a ton, as your balls will thank you. <laughs> they, they will. They'll, they'll send you a nice thank you card. Let's hop into this episode, boys. This is a little bit of a different show that we're running here today. The Browns obviously kind of had a down week. There's been a lot of hot takes flying around media, social media, the fans, whoever. And we asked our followers today to send us in some hot takes. Yeah, so stick around for when we get to the hot takes segment. A lot of people sent in questions on Twitter, and you will be featured on our hottest takes segment. We're going to tell us that if we agree with the take or if it's a cold take. Um, but before that, I just want to recap this game a little bit. Browns get uh, beat pretty badly by the Steelers. We all saw it. Don't really want to talk about it for too long, but we're definitely going to bring up some points and some things that we want to just focus on going forward. So I look forward to getting into that. Yeah, so the Browns dropped to 4-2 this past weekend. It was 38-7 versus the Steelers. And Ethan, you're a Steelers fan, so what did you see out of this team that kind of just put them over the top versus the Browns? Yeah, I think on the Steelers end of things, it was really a lot of it came on defense. I think the defense stepped up huge, especially on third down and fourth down. The Browns went 1-for-12 on third down and 0-for-3 on fourth down. And if you look at it, that's really the, pretty much the only difference. Like, time of possession was within five minutes. Total offense was within 50 yards of one another. And, like, the yardage lost from sacks was pretty similar. It was really just that we prevented them from executing on fourth down and then really didn't turn the ball over either on offense. Yeah, those two, two things were huge. The turnover margin was definitely big. Us, that pick six from Minka Fitzpatrick was huge. And then while we're on the topic of the Steelers, that defense is the best defense in the NFL, and I don't really hesitate in saying that. I mean, we played the Colts last week, which a lot of people at the time were calling them the best defense in the league, or at least top two. And I'll, I'll say it from, from what I saw, the Steelers' defense made the Colts look like a high school team. That They're just they're loaded on that side of the ball. And again, it, it just goes to show you those little things that the Browns for so many years now have just not been able to get right. They add up in a big way. No, absolutely, Jack. I mean, that Steelers defense is just loaded with uh, seven first-rounders on, on the team, on the de- defensive starters. You're obviously, there's a lot of expectations there, but they've certainly performed. They're second in total yards per game, second in rush yards per game, too, and number three in points per game, coming in at around 18 points per game. So they're certainly making people pay. And it starts a lot with that defensive line, and they absolutely dominated the Browns in the trenches on both sides of the ball this week. That defensive line with T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, they were just absolutely blowing up the Browns' offensive line, Bud Dupree, and the Browns had the third-best offensive line coming into this game. 
I mean, they only gave up 23 pressures coming into the game and gave up 15 during a singular game versus the Steelers. It all starts with the trenches, and it ended there because the game didn't really get off to a start for the Browns. The offensive line just didn't play up to snuff, guys. Yeah, the offensive line, it was not what we've seen in the first five weeks of the season. Granted, Wyatt Teller, who has been the highest-graded lineman for the Browns so far, was out with a calf injury, but... I mean, still, the, the rest of the guys just didn't step up. Pressured on 47% of the snaps, 15 pressures on Baker. Ba- I mean, Baker was just getting mauled. And, I mean, look, he did not play well, but the offensive line definitely deserves some blame in that. Um, it was not a pretty sight, and clearly the, def- the Steelers' defensive line uh, won that matchup. Yeah, I think you could definitely say that they won the matchup. I want to say coming out of that game, T.J. Watt had one and a half sacks. Bud Dupree might have had one and a half, and same with Stephon Tewitt even. So um, they really got after Baker, and even if you're not just looking at sacks, there were a lot of times where Baker would get the ball out and then still get roughed up, and that certainly wasn't helpful considering he was battling rib injuries entering the week. And one thing I just wanted to mention real quick is that Baker – is now second in the NFL in release time for the ball when he's throwing it at 2.7 seconds, guys. And if the Browns are getting pressured on 47% of their snaps in a game like the Steelers, why is he not getting rid of the ball earlier? Why is Coach Stefanski having him go and do plays that are taking longer to develop versus getting the ball out fast before he's getting pressured? You know, I can't. I can't really speak for why Coach Stefanski was calling the plays. I know after the, the game in, a, in the post-game presser, he said there was a lot of plays that he called that he wouldn't call again. Um, and look, at the end of the day, like he's a first-year head coach. He's going to go through some learning, uh, some you know, a learning curve, and, and that definitely was evident in that game. However, I also don't think – again, I'm not trying to bail Baker out, but I also think it's very possible that the – Coverage was just very good as well on top of the pressure, and that's why he was taking so long to get rid of the ball. But it's definitely something, and, and the stats back this up, when Baker gets rid of the ball quicker, he has a lot more success. And I'm sure that was also part of the reason why the Browns' offense was so anemic in that game. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think that's a really interesting point that you bring up. I guess on the one end, one of the reasons you might be holding, holding on to the ball longer is just to stretch the field vertically especially with a team like the Steelers where you have kind of an older cornerback in Joe Hayden and maybe some not-so-great coverage guys on, on the defensive end. You're trying to test them, especially with their speed. But um, it's really interesting to me that Baker's completion percentage in his career is about 12, 13 points higher when he gets it out in under 2.5 seconds. But he also has thrown more picks and less touchdowns when you look at that too. So I think that that's an interesting dynamic where you're probably going to get shorter just more, more accurate passes, but you're also increasing his risk of just throwing into a hot route on that, like, like that Minka Fitzpatrick picture. Right. Yeah. Through to the first option without even looking, really. Yeah, and, I mean, that's also a play where Baker has to realize that the safety is going to be there. Like, that was 100% his fault. And I, I know the plays are taking long to develop, but I don't want to bail him out here because he just straight up didn't have a good game, and even the regular eye could see that. Yeah, that, that pick especially was a classic Baker, I feel like, at this point. I mean, it was just, he didn't even look up the field. You saw on the replay from the, they kind of had a camera angle behind Baker looking at it, and it was just, he didn't even look. And that's a play that 
as a quarterback in the NFL if you're not able to pick that up? Like, he's just and, – and this is the thing I, I'm going to kind of go off, off a little bit is, like, Baker just has struggled with reading coverages and reading defenses so far in his career, and that was a perfect example of that. He just did not see it when it was right there in front of him. Yeah, and I think we'll we'll probably talk a little bit more about some of the right. some of the Baker issues, but um, it, it wasn't just him. Like the run game wasn't really going that day either. Kareem Hunt only had forty yards on the ground. Yeah, we'll I we'll talk a lot about Baker this podcast, and we're definitely not done with talking about him. But um, I'll give him a break for right now, and I think we should move on to uh, just some other broader things about this game and what does it kind of mean for the future of the Browns because the Browns just have failed to show up in games against good opponents. The team just overall didn't have a great game. Jarvis was the highest graded player on offense with a grade of 64.1. So there was no standout player that just kind of was far and above each and every other person. Just just for reference to that, that 64.1 is per PFF who grades players and it's not 64.1 is not good just so everyone's aware. So one thing that Jack had written down here are the Browns and the Michigan of this Browns-Steelers rivalry. Big Ben is 23-2-1 versus the Browns. It, you know, I mean, I, I, think, I think they are. And it's, I mean, the stats show it. But even beyond that, beyond the record, the Browns just look like a different team when they play the Steelers. It looks like a mental game, which I feel like, in the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry, there's definitely a lot of that going around. It just seems like the Browns just cannot get over the Steelers for whatever reason. Um, and, and, I mean, 23-2-1 is just ridiculous. I think I think it's really just like uh, Ben is the Ohio State more than the Steelers are. Because we've, we've seen the Browns beat the Steelers in recent years with some of these backup guys. Like, like Mason Rudolph, like Charlie Batch, uh, like eight years ago when the Steelers had seven turnovers in one game. So I, I really feel like it's just that Ben has their number more than the team as a whole. Yeah, I agree with that a lot. He's he's a, almost like a different quarterback. He, I mean, he, that's the thing too. It's like he didn't even put up stats yesterday. He had one touchdown, not that many yards, but the the score thirty eight to seven. I mean, it just wasn't even close. It's like. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that statement. So the other, the last point I just want to mention before we get into the hot and cold takes is just the Browns against winning opponents. And I guess the thing is with the Browns and why this defeat personally was so just aggravating is that the Browns just do not show up. It's like the Ravens, right? They just don't show up versus winning opponents. And it kind of is like a shot in the gut because it reminds you of how far the Browns have to go. It's still a very young Browns team. You got a first-year head coach, but I just think more, more so, the Browns got to learn how to how to play these high-level opponents. Or it doesn't matter how much talent they're going to have; it's just not gonna. They're not going to go anywhere, make any deep runs, and they ultimately might get just stuck in this this loop of mediocrity. What do you guys think about that? I wouldn't even say that's a hot take, Jack. I would just say that's reality, because as of right now. The two winning teams that the Browns have played, they've gotten absolutely spanked by. The Ravens and the Steelers. And we tweeted yesterday, I personally think this team isn't headed in the right direction. They have the coach, in my opinion. They have the players. They just got to find a way to beat these good teams. And yeah, they're definitely not there yet where they can hang with these big teams. 
but they're still headed in the right direction being four and two. Well, I feel like you guys pretty much touched on all of it. And they're, they're struggling against the good teams, but they're still a very young team. They're still trying to learn with each other. And uh, I do think you're heading in the right direction. Let's move on to these hot and cold takes. Again, this is kind of a new segment we're doing, and we got a good amount of responses from Twitter. Again, if you don't follow us on Twitter, it's at hottest underscore take pod. And um, we love interacting with you guys. Um, and we put up tweets like this. You get can get featured on the podcast. But I think we should hop right into this with our first hot take. Yeah, so our first hot take is from a very close friend named Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. And he said Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry should request trades. So before Jack and Ethan answer, a hot take is basically just agreeing with it. And a cold take is saying that, you know, this person's take, I don't agree with her, is just wrong. So, Ethan, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go cold there, obviously. You have one of the best offensive lines in football, which should make for a strong passing game. And, like, these guys went to Cleveland so they could link up and be buddies together. Like, getting out doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that's a freezing cold take. I think this is more of a question even for the Browns. Like, should the Browns trade Odell and Jarvis more than should Jarvis and Odell request trades? Because I think it's, it, would, it would be a weak move, number one, on their part. To, to, to leave because things aren't going well. Um, and then two, I just, it, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. Why would you trade? Why would they, why, I mean, yeah, for multiple reasons, for both the Brown side and their their side, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Right, and our buddy Sir Yacht made a roast about uh, this yesterday, which is pretty funny. And he brought up one good point, is the media has always toasted Odell for not handling adversity in the right way. Why are they now asking him to leave right when things get difficult, to quit, to quit on this team? It just doesn't make any sense, and I expect more from Stephen A. Smith, honestly. I mean, he's, he's kind of an NBA guy. I don't, I don't really trust his football takes that much. But Our next hot take is Jedrick Wills has had an underwhelming rookie season. Um, I'm going to go cold there again. I think like he's third in penalties with four. He's tied for fourth in sacks allowed on for left tackles with three. Like He's a rookie. He's learning a new position. And if you're not talking about him a lot as an offensive lineman, that means he's doing his job. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I, I would kind of disagree. I, I think it's a lukewarm take if I'm allowed to do that because he's been like so – he's been a hard guy to evaluate whether he's having a good or bad season because he's been – really good on some snaps and, and looked the part and then some snaps he's just gotten beat like straight up and so it's kind of again Ethan you bring up good points he's moving to a different position there's there's plenty going on but I wouldn't say he's underwhelmed I also wouldn't say he's impressed being the number 10 overall pick yeah there's definitely room for improvement and like we've mentioned a million times on the show it's definitely not easy to move from right tackle in college to left tackle in the pros without a preseason start off the bat. But there's definitely been plays where I've been like thinking at least that he could have done more. Like a play this past week where he got beat by Bud Dupree and then Baker was able to get away, but instead of blocking a secondary rusher like TJ Watt who's coming, he kind of just stood there and watched Baker get sacked. So there's definitely room for improvement, but you also have to give him some leeway being a rookie here. Our next hot take is Baker is not the franchise quarterback. And this is from the Jesus Capilot at Maker Bayfield underscore six on Twitter. 
Um, I'll lead us off here. I think it's a hot take, and it kills me inside to say that because Baker has been the best thing the Browns have had a quarterback in probably the last 20 years. But, I mean, it really, the, it comes down to the a lot of things, but really the turnovers. It's Yesterday was his 11th game, I believe, with multiple turnovers. There are multiple interceptions, I think, and only Phillip Rivers and Jameis Winston are ahead of him since he came into the league in 2018. And that's not going to get it done. I mean, you saw Jameis Winston lead the league in passing yards, but had 30 interceptions and got the boot. So, like, that goes to show you how huge those turnovers are. And there's more problems to Baker than just the turnovers. But he's got to seriously step it up if I want to call him, if I'm going to call him a franchise quarterback. I'm going to say this is, like, a cold take, but barely. Like, if if the ice was in the glass of water... It's pretty much melted, and it's been sitting there for a little bit, but still, it's still a little cold. He's 16-19 and 19 in games he's played. He's having the best QBR of his career, and I think that he just he probably does need a little bit more time. Like, the guys have different play callers every year. He's had new pieces every year. He's still just trying to figure it all out, I feel like, a little bit. Yeah, I feel like you both brought up good points there. Like Jack said, he's definitely made some questionable decisions. And at this point, he should be learning whether or not to make those decisions. But at the same time, like, we're only six games into the season. So, like, how are you going to judge it so early with yet another new play caller? Well, so the last thing I just want to talk about, because I'm, I'm kind of in the minority, I guess, is that, like, all right, so Baker's had not had the most smooth, you know, introduction to the league, and I don't, I don't, you know, fault him for that. However, some of these plays, like, are completely on Baker. The one Minka Fitzpatrick interception, just for a recent example, was completely on Baker. In the third year of your career in the NFL is commonly the breakout year for a lot of players. And the fact that he's gotten worse every single year from his rookie year to his sophomore year to now this year is just very concerning to me. I mean, your rookie year, outside of, like, Robert Griffin, the third your rookie year should not be the peak of your career. So this next hot take is kind of a mix of a couple of tweets from Jeff. He said, trade up into the top three of the draft to grab either Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or even Kyle Trask from Florida by possibly giving up multiple firsts and OBJ. So this is from Jeff Court on Twitter, guys. Yeah, I think that's an incredibly cold take. Like, the Browns should be feeling things out with Baker right now. Just like, he's your guy, at least for this year and next year. And I think you, you just have to, like, let that go. And then just let him play out the contract. Don't rush into anything. Don't make any rash decisions. Yeah, so this one, I'll I'll say cold, mainly because he added Fields and Trask in there. Also, yeah, I kind of agree. I feel like you kind of got to give Baker at least this year, potentially next depending on how he finishes the season. But at the same time, I'm going to be a little bit bold and be like, I don't think that's the most ridiculous statement if you're going for Trevor Lawrence because hypothetically, all right, like Trevor Lawrence might be one of the top quarterback prospects we've seen since Andrew Luck. If, if Trevor Lawrence, if you believe Trevor Lawrence is such a, such a sure, sure thing, then I honestly don't think it'd be that ludicrous to go out and get him for, you know, two or three firsts because ultimately if he pans out and the Browns start winning some games or winning some going in the playoffs, like you're going to look back at that trade in a couple of years and be like, that was a steal. 
So obviously it's, it's very risky and very bold, but it's not, I'll call it a cold take, but it's not the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah, and I mean, it's called a hot take for a reason, guys. Like, it's it's something that most likely won't happen. And, like, it would be harder and harder with the direction that the Browns are going in to even trade for a top three pick, given that we've already almost even played ourselves out of the top ten. But, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is a guy that I personally think will come into the NFL and make an immediate impact. I mean, he, he's going to be an all-pro. The kid's a stud. But like you both said, like, the Browns have to focus on Baker right now. You you got to work with what you have, and you just can't give up on him so early. You'd also be giving up a lot for a piece who in Trevor Lawrence who may or may not pan out. Like plenty of first round, first overall picks like David Carr have not panned out. The next hot take is the Browns will sign Haha Clinton Dix within the next two weeks. This is from Owen at Owen Malloy One on Twitter. Um, I'm gonna go hot. So my first hot of the night, but like, I, there's no reason Ha Ha Quinn Dix shouldn't be on a football team. Over the past three years, he's had a PFF grade of like 75 and over, which is pretty good. He's a former Pro Bowler. Like the Cowboys caught him, which makes no sense, and they have one of the worst defenses in the league now. So he should be on a roster somewhere. Cleveland's probably a good landing spot. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a hot take. Um, you really can't get any worse than Sandejo right now. Like I mean, I I would I'd put I'd contemplate putting Jamie Gillen there right now. I mean, I don't think it'd be that big of a difference. And so I agree. I think it's a hot take. I think Ha Ha Clinton Dix makes a ton of sense, and he should be on a roster. Right, and for the people who say okay, he didn't have a good training camp, and the fact that he did get beat out by a Cowboys DB, Josh Jones had a great. He's a DB for the Jaguars. Had a great camp. And now he's had one of the worst passer ratings in the NFL. And in effect to that, the Jags traded us Ronnie Harrison. And Ronnie Harrison's played well in the one game he started. And Josh Jones is absolutely terrible. So who cares with these shortened training camps that they've had? Go out and sign someone like Haha Clinton Dix. This is a hot take, Owen. The next hot take is the Browns need to sign Clay Matthews III from Kelly at Kelly underscore Marie 64 on Twitter. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say this is a hot take just because of our lack of depth and lack of production from the linebacker position this season. However, I, you know, is it a need? I don't know because I don't think Clay Matthews is going to come in at his age and his point in his career and really make a huge impact. But again, I don't think it could hurt. Um, I'm going to say old here like Clay, Clay Matthews had a good year last year at age 33 he had eight sacks um but he was playing with the Rams I guess like they're a really talented defense the Browns are a talented defense so it might make a big impact but I just feel pretty comfortable like you have good edge rushers in like Miles Garrett Olivier Vernon so I don't I don't really think there's too much in the need for him I'm gonna say that this is a lukewarm take I guess Jack is letting us do this but Clay Matthews isn't a guy that's going to come in and make a huge impact with a linebacker core, but I think it wouldn't, one, hurt to sign him, and two, he could make an impact as a pass rusher, and the Browns really haven't gotten much production from pass rushers other other than Miles Garrett, so I don't see how this signing could hurt, especially with his experience in veteran leadership. The next hot take for us is Baker's too small for the NFL. Don't think he'll be durable as Big Ben, for example. And Baker will have a quote-unquote short career. So a little shot of his height from Momo. 
Um, that, that's a cool take. At least, like, if Baker has a short career, it probably won't be due to his height. I mean, there are plenty of short quarterbacks that have found success, like Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Michael Vick, Fran Tarkenton went to three Super Bowls. He's six feet tall. Like, you don't need to be that tall to play quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I, I can't agree more with what you just said. Um, additionally, Baker's shown a ton of toughness so far in his career. With I mean, he's been injured. Like even last game, he had rib problems and everything, and he was getting he was hanging in there. And additionally, uh, yeah, I, I the biggest statement is I don't think if he, if his career's short, I don't think it's going to be because of his height. Yeah, I agree that I don't think height will play into his career, but I do personally think that it could play into his playing style. Baker tends to throw the ball really high, and I think that's due to the fact that his offensive linemen are so big that he's trying to throw over them, and his just angle isn't as good as someone like Cam Newton or someone like Trevor Lawrence in the future, Josh Allen, who has a, a bigger wingspan who can see over those offensive linemen. So I think... Part of it is, I mean, like part of his play is due to his height, but I don't think it will be the reason why he's out of the NFL. I, I, I 100% agree that it affects his playing style too more than anything. It's just because, like you saw, I do wonder how much of the interception and turnover problems is because he just doesn't see, like, like I've referenced the Minka interception a lot now, but like he just didn't see him. I wonder if that's maybe just because he couldn't see as well as someone who is taller. So our, our next hot take is the Baker Mayfield cycle from Matt at mrosie 29 on Twitter. And I'll read it to you guys quickly. The first box is play like shit. Then you go to criticize by media. Then you go to underdog mentality. Then you go to beat inferior opponent. Then you go to call out doubters. And then it goes right back to play like shit. We're at play like shit right now in this graphic. Is this a hot or cold take, guys? I think this might be for and me personally. I think this is the hottest take on this list. You know, it's it, it's so true. Like he has a bad game, gets criticized by media. Everybody's talking about him right now. Underdog mentality beats an inferior opponent like the Bengals next week, and then he's gonna be like everyone's gonna like him again. And it's just it does at this point seem like a cycle. And the reason I call it a hot take is just how true it's been up to this point. Yeah, this is a this is a boiling hot take. Like it's so bright, my eyes are burning from looking at it. Um, this this really just happens like all the time with Baker. I, I don't know. That's like Jack said it already. This this cycle, you can't verbalize it any better than that. I'm really hoping Baker can kind of turn it around and prove this wrong. But as of right now, this is a pretty good description of how the past two or three seasons have gone for Browns for the Browns and for Baker. The next hot take is the Browns just start garnering future picks now to eventually trade up for Arch Manning, who is a freshman in high school, guys, or he may be a sophomore, and that number two guy on his high school team. This is from Jack at Jack underscore Castetter on Twitter. Uh, (laughs) I I, I don't don't even know what to say about this. I'll I'll just say that, like... The, the kid's a sophomore in high school. Let's, let's give it some time. Shout out Isidore Newman. Shout out my boy Ralph. But yeah, I'm not even gonna give a give a hotter quote on this just because of how ridiculous it is. Uh, yeah, shout out Jack Cassiter on Twitter. I love you. I love the reply. But yeah, this is uh, this is this is. I'm just gonna leave it at cold, and that's that's it. 
Peyton's. I'll just say if his forehead is as big as Peyton's, that means his football IQ will probably be even bigger. So it might be a good idea for the Browns to go and do it. Our last hot take is the Browns go for Tua slash the Pats finish with a better record than the Browns finish this year. This one's from Aaron at Aaron Sai five nine eight seven seven five six two on Twitter. This is kind of a two-parter. Uh, the first one is a freezing cold take. Not all, not not even just for the Browns. The Dolphins would never even in a million years trade Tua right now. And then the Pats finished with a better record than the Browns this year. I think the the Pats finished with a better record than the Browns this year is a cold take. They're two and three at the moment, and frankly, I think with the Browns' upcoming schedule, I think this will be the first year in a long, long time that. Browns will finish with a better record than the Patriots. So the first part of the Browns going for Tua, obviously, cold take. I just see, like, no scenario where that happens from either teams. Um, The second part about the Pats having a better record than the Browns, you know, nothing is difficult and nothing is easy in life, but I'm going to go ahead and say that the Browns are going to have a better record than the Patriots, mostly due to, like, strength of schedule. The Browns are already two wins ahead, and the Patriots have one of, if not the hardest schedules in the NFL this year. So, yeah, yeah. that's that's where that analysis comes from. I 100% agree with you guys that these are both cold takes. I think two is the only person right now that the uh, Dolphins wouldn't trade. I mean, they've had a fire sale going on for the past two years, but they seem to be in love with him. And then regarding the Patriots ending with a better record, it's certainly possible if the Browns did just go into full tank mode and just kind of crap the bed for the rest of the season, which I don't think they will. But the Patriots have, like, the 49ers, the Bills, the Ravens, the Cardinals, the Rams, the Bills again on their schedule. So they don't have an easy schedule. And the Browns have one of the easiest schedules for the rest of the season. So I don't think that it would come even close to happening, guys. Yeah, I think it's also funny. Like, like the when you compare the two teams, like if they played, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots would beat the Browns. But it's just, yeah, it comes down to schedule. The Browns just have to have it too easy and the Pats have it too hard for this to happen. Yeah, the Patriots only real like saving grace right now. My roommate would be upset at me for saying this because he's a Pats fan. But um, the only saving grace is that they play the Jets twice and they play Miami twice. So that is all we have from our hot takes. Thank you so much to everyone that sent into a response. I hope that you liked our answer to it, even if it was a cold take. But again, we appreciate it big time, and it's always fun interacting with you guys. And that actually wraps it up for us too today on the show. Thank you so much to Ethan for coming on. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on tonight, boys. It's been, uh, it's been great. I'll hit my shout-out real fast. I'll shout-out Lil Wayne. Shout out Kendrick Lamar. Shout out Schoolboy Q. Just going to go with the homies tonight. Awesome. Respect it. Always ready for your shout outs. And thank you, Jack, again for co-hosting. It's always a pleasure, dude. Absolutely. Hopefully next time we're on this podcast, we can have some more positive news about our Browns. Um, But you got to go through the pain to get to the glory. So glad I can do it. And thank you all again for tuning in. Stay hot, our friends. We'll catch you next time. Peace. And thanks to you guys if you made it this far listening to the Hottest Take Sports podcast. Today's intro beat was made by Black Lions Beats on YouTube. We'll have a link to it in the description. Make sure you all go give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at the hottest underscore take pod. 
Thank you again to our good friend Ethan for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show. Also, make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again, y'all, and see you next time. Yeah.